step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You know my heart was broke. When I heard about the 21 Coptic Christians. While at the same time, I was encouraged. I pray we can learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters across the globe. Lord, give us courage. Can't you see the persecution that's been happening around us? Around us. Jesus told us that it would happen, don't be surprised, huh? With tears in our eyes, even though they surround us, around us. The kingdom of heaven is our God, he will crown us. Somalia and Libya might have prisoned and bomb us, bomb us. We've been the victim of terrorism for telling Jesus is alive. To the 21 cops, the Christians kneeling down on their cold beach. Soon as they blooded the sea, they were then present with God. If we suffer with them, we gon' reign. To be absent from the body means I'm present with the king. Yeah. To the persecuted church around the globe, remember, remember, the gates of hell won't prevail. Can't stop them, no. He gon' build this church, he gon' build this church. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. Build this church. You gon' build this church. You gon' build this church. Say what he say, what he say. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. The global reality of persecution, I break and never breaks us. Breaks us. That it would never sink our faith and we would lay down our lives Places like North Korea, Nigeria, Syria, where they make us The objects of aggression putting pressure on all sides Criminal mobs, religious fanatics try to intimidate us Even government regulations banning and outlaw cries With societal pressure, family and friends would forsake us you can ask them Pakistani and any distant Christians, they tyrannize. If we suffer with them, we gon' reign. We gon' reign. To be absent from the body means I'm present with the king. Present with the king. To the persecuted church around the globe, remember. The gates of hell won't prevail, can't stop from no church. He gon' build this church, he gon' build this church. He gonna build church. church. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. Build this church. You gon' build this church. You gon' build this church. Say what he say, what he say. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. No matter how we are suffering, 
no matter how we are persecuted, no matter how we are marginalized, our identity is not in whatever is happening to us right now. Our identity is seated at the right hand of God, and He is feeling just fine. promised us in the long term a crown of life a crown of life a crown of life
guess what I'm giving And faith still needs a gun Whose ammunition justifies the wrong And I can't see from the backseat So I'm asking from above And I trust what I'm giving Even when it cuts So heaven if you send us down Shield Squad Radio. I'm your host, G Consciousness. Peace, family. Y'all know what it is. It's about that time. Yesterday, amazing show. We brought out some things yesterday. We also had the brother Divine Ron Prospect to stop through as well as vocab. Chop it up a little bit. Interesting conversation. Um, man, uh, we got some more for you today concerning uh the discussion between Devon Ron Prospect and also Vocab. Uh, you know, yesterday, you know, um, briefly, we talked about um, did Devon Ron Prospect, did he say that God or the Most High, as he was saying, did he say that God basically, um, how can you say it? Because I want to make sure. Matter of fact, we'll go and listen to it because I don't want to, I don't want to put it in my own words. I want it to be in his words, you know. But basically, you know, somewhat of summarizing of what I heard, was it appropriate for the other nations outside of Israel to worship? other gods or to sacrifice unto those gods and their children. And uh, we'll let you hear what Divine Ron Prospect actually said himself. We'll let you hear it. And um, you guys can go from there. I don't want to be, you know, uh, doing it the wrong way. I want y'all to hear it for yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to get off into a little bit of this and see what's going on with it. We're going to, we should have some of the, uh, a little bit more of the Shield Squad members calling in. I might probably be kind of crappy. I ain't sure though, but we're gonna find out in a minute. But let's uh see if we can jump right into some of this and really see what's going on and what was stated. And uh shout out to the uh debate talk for you, Shao South Showtime. Um, so as part of the worship I'm I'm using some of his you know, 
his uh, some sound bites and different things and off his page. Uh, go over there and subscribe to Debate for You YouTube page. Go over there and hit the like button uh, on this uh, right here. I uh, got 45 likes already. Go over there and hit the like button. And the title of it is What Do You Believe with Ron Devine Prospect and Vocab Malone. Also hit that uh, bell and that bell will give you an indication when Sal uploads a show or when he's doing his show. Mainly he uploads to this channel. So let's listen to we're going to jump off and get right into it. We ain't going to waste any time. Uh, like I say, make sure um, make sure any one of the brothers is here. But while we're doing that, the call-in number is 917-889-2233. 917-889-2233. Call in, press the number one. If you've got a question or if you want to make a comment, you can do so. Speak to the host. Uh, I don't know if Divine coming through tonight, but I I don't know if uh, Vocab might be coming through. I know he was kind of busy a little bit. But for the most part, uh, we're just going to let you guys see what it is and what y'all think about it, what you're hearing. You know, if if I'm hearing wrong or, you know, let me know. But uh, let me play this real quick. During that time, offer children to Molech, correct? Molech has an actual metaphysical ontology. That he actually is an ontological being in some way, Molech? Yes. Okay. Do you believe it is appropriate for any culture, I'm not talking about Israelites, is it appropriate for certain cultures to pay him homage and worship him? Is that appropriate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you do you believe that um, if Molech prescribes child sacrifice as part of the ritual worship, since it is appropriate for other cultures to worship him, that child sacrifice should be part of the worship? Um, according to a certain period of time in which it was allowed, yes. So there was a time in which for certain ethnicities or certain nations or people groups within within the groups of people called the Canaanites, some of them, it was appropriate for them to, as part of the worship during that time, offer children to Molech, Correct. Uh, it would be appropriate as long as the Most High did not give them any instruction to do otherwise. Okay. Um, right. And so, so you guys kind of heard it from yourself, but um, you know, in in order for us to know, you know, what the Most High is saying, we always got to relate back to the Bible. You know, we got to relate back to the Bible. So, if Divine is going to say that. The Most High said this, and what's appropriate and what's not what's not appropriate. We must relate back to the Bible. And 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 from if I'm if I'm hearing if I'm hearing wrong or you know uh, uh, please do so to press the number one. Please press number one. Do so to help me understand what is it that this brother is saying because it seems to me to where he's saying that it is appropriate until God basically uh, put forth a law to say that it's not appropriate. It is, it is, you know, inappropriate, basically. But nevertheless, that's just not the case. It was never appropriate. You know, uh, this is why when we look at the judgment of the first, um, the first, uh, uh, you know, judgment dealing with water by way of water during Noah's time, because God was basically executing judgment on the ungodly. When we look at the book of Jude, we kind of see some of that being talked about as well as Christ talking about in the days of Noah, what was going on in the days of Noah. So then after the flood, 
the very things that we see that was going on before the days of Noah is going on after the days of Noah, after the flood. So it, it seems to me it was never appropriate. It was, it was, you know, God was always against it in the, in the beginning. And I think that's why he sent, you know, uh, Israel, uh, you know, uh, unto the worlds basically, or to be a light unto the worlds so they can be an example in the contest of false gods. That's one of the things that, Moses was doing himself. He was putting down the false deities. It was in Kemet, being an empire that subjugated Israel. You know, um, and so it's not just that God is just dealing with Israel, you know, because they had He gave them the law. But God is going to deal with all these nations. If you look around, the nations that um, you know uh, God was going to be coming against was forming the beast system. And so had they never messed with Israel, God was still going to judge those nations because he was going to use Israel to be an example before those nations, as we can see in Zechariah 14 just as well. So, I mean, let's play it again and let's look, because I, I don't know if I'm missing something or, you know, what it may be. And last night, I, you know, we had a discussion. I really didn't have my scriptures before me, but he said a lot of things that did not make sense. So I want to play it one more time and, and carefully and let's listen to it. And, and what do y'all think? to his prophet name in Hebrew, yes, he is. Did he create all the other powers? Yes, he did. Do you believe that we can know their names? Yes. How do you learn their names? Uh, you'd have to read the text as well as comparative other cultural uh, texts that we have access to. So do you believe that Molech has an actual metaphysical ontology? That he actually is an ontological being in some way, Molech. Okay. Do you believe it is appropriate for any culture, I'm not talking about Israelites, is it appropriate for certain cultures to pay him homage and worship him? Is that appropriate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you do you believe that um, if Molech prescribes child sacrifice as part of the ritual worship, since it is appropriate for other cultures to worship him, that child sacrifice should be part of the worship? Um, according to a certain period of time in which it was allowed, yes. So there was a time in which for certain ethnicities or certain nations or people groups within within the groups of people called the Canaanites, some of them it was appropriate for them to, as part of the worship during that time, offer children to Molech, correct? Uh, it would be appropriate as long as the Most High did not give them any instructions to do otherwise. Okay. Um do you believe that behind Molech is actually a demon? Uh, divine demon. Now, it, it, it's kind of weird that Divine would even say that because when you look at it, he knows that the very judgments that came on those nations, as well as before the nations, was, was because the traditions of them worshiping these false deities. You know, before and after the flood, he know what was taught them before the flood concerning them, you know, uh, the worship of different uh, Elohims and stuff like that and and uh, different uh, fallen ones and, 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 and demonic demons or unclean spirits, so to speak. So he knows this. So it's like, why should we have to even play semantics, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, what's going on with this? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so... So why should it um why should it even have to 
why should this even have to be, you know, games played when it comes to this? And, and it seems to me it's, you know, the only way you can know what what is required of God is by way of reading the book, you know, um, and that's just it. And that's what I explained to him last night to where you can't say that this is appropriate, you know, until God says anything further. No, it was never, God was always against it. It was always inappropriate. And that's why he was bringing Israel against several nations to judge them. And, and, and one of my points that I made was, is that when, when Christ has put all rebels up under his feet, you know, um, there will be no, Worshiping other deities, but one deity, as the scripture says, and they will be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, mentioned in Zechariah 14, just as well, too, and they will worship God. Matter of fact, let's let's really go there. Let's make sure we see if we got any callers. And like I say, uh, the number is 917-889-2233, 917-889-2233. You're now listening to Shield Squad Radio. So let's jump to a couple of scriptures. And really see what's going on. And like I say, if I got some of my fellow Shield Squad members in here, press the number one and get up in here, get them in here quick. And then also, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, we got the uh, brother Tony in here. I'd like to open up his mic because he brought out something last night that it was brought out briefly, but I didn't really have the scripture. And you know, I brought some of it out, and you know, I, I didn't quote it right. And 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 he really went to it and brought out some of the scripture. To it, so I'm gonna open up his mic, uh, brother Tony. If you hear me, can you press the number one? I open up your mic if you're not busy. Um, I'd like you to speak on some of those things, or either bring out the scripture that you brought out concerning, you know, uh, what we talked about last night. If you got time to speak, just press the number one. Yeah, I don't think that uh, he uh. Let me bring out some of the scriptures that he brought out. He brought out some things last night. And at that time, I didn't get to bring it out to its fullest entirely. But if you look at it right, one of the scriptures he brought out was um, Deuteronomy 2 and 9. Because Divine, he kept mentioning this scripture, and I brought out some things briefly. pulling up the scripture right now and that's why it's always I think it's always good to when you're talking to these guys really to uh, what you call but I, I see we got the brother vocab in here let me open up this mic what's going on peace and blessings hey what's up man I got like 30 minutes till my kids get out of this class after that I probably can't be on but the same what's up listening to what you're doing right now all right, cool. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, so just feeling you in, man. We was just really, you know, seeing if 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 what I heard is what they heard. You know, I heard that he says that he said that it is appropriate to basically be. Um, it was appropriate to worship these other deities or these fallen ones, and so, you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe did I hear it right or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you know, I'd love to hear him deal. You know how he always brings up Jeremiah 32, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy uh, 32. Remember he gets on yeah. bringing up Jeremiah 32 and saying like that he would go to verses eight and nine. Well, I wonder if he's read the whole chapter. This is something I wanted to talk to him about last night, but I couldn't. Can I just share this with you guys? Because I think it's real key, and I think go it ahead. matters about this discussion. Go ahead, bring it out, uh, brother. Uh, 
So bring it out. So yeah, Jeremiah 32, 8, 9, that's where he goes to try to prove that there's these other deities who are allotted over nations, right? You know what he said on the show, and you guys talked about that last night, but go up to verse 16. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. Now listen to this. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. I don't know, man. It seems like they're no god, but let's just keep on going. Let's look at the next couple of verses. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned them because of the provocations of his sons and daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they got a perverse generation, children whom there is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. I provoked them to anger with the foolish nation. To me, that matters. Right there in that very chapter, it says twice. These were no gods. Well, I don't know if there's something different in the KJV, but. Well, there it is. So so one, one of the things I, I wanted to point out, too, that, that was brought out last night was this. was uh, You know, this was brought to me by Brother Tony. He brought out Deuteronomy 2 and 9. Yeah. Deuteronomy 2 and 9 says, um, it says, and the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. For I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given Ur unto the children of Lot for a possession. Watch what it says. And so, so right there it says that he has given, God gave them that land for a possession for us, the Moabites. And then also, because he made, he mentioned last night, he said that he talked about the, the theft. He talked about that, and he said that um, the theft said your God gave uh, the God of uh, uh, the Moabite God or whatever whatever that God was gave them that land. But in, in reality, God gave them that lot, which was you know the Most High, the Father it was the Father. So let's look at what it says. Let's look at what he also he brought out. He brought out another scripture, which was Acts 17 and 24. And I know that the brother does not deal with this, but, um, you know, he when it comes to Acts, it's like he don't want to too much deal with um, anything dealing with Luke or Paul or things like whenever it's concerning something about the Gentiles. <laughs> so let's look at Acts 17. Let's look at what it says. Acts 17, let's jump to, uh, where is it? Okay, let's jump to 23. It says, for as I pass by, and behold, your devotions, I find, found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, Seeing that he is the Lord of the heaven and the earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands, as though he needed 
anything, seeing he live, he give to all life and breathe all things and breathe and all things. I mean, in the breath in all things, I'm sorry, and have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. That's what it says, verse uh, 26. And have appoint, have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their inhabitation. So, right then, this is basically telling you who set the bounds of their inhabitations. So it's telling Yahweh. you now, right? Yahweh did this, and so what happens is, is we have it to where people are going into other people's lands, like Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, we know was in the Delta, but somehow, some way, they creeped up into the Levant area, into the area of Cain, and we can see that they made the area of Cain tributaries. So we can see people are going into people's lands and disrespecting people people's land. And so what Jephthah probably experienced was, you know, the same thing of his fallen, this fallen deity or doctrine of, uh, 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 I mean, the, the, the uh, 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 getting some type of doctrine from devils or some type of deity that led him to this place, right? And, 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 and took over this place so we don't even know where where the vicinity was, but somehow, some way, we look at that God is allowing certain kingdoms to be put up and certain kingdoms to be put down just as well. As we look and we look, we read the book of Daniel, we can kind of see that you know God is, you know, uh, you know, uh, one kingdoms are coming up. He he says Cyrus, he told Cyrus, but we know that Cyrus believed in Morduk, a Morduk. And Cyrus yeah. believed in Morduk, and so we could kind of see that these gods are worshiping these false gods, and 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 God Himself are false deities, and God Himself is, is allowing these gods to rule, uh, you know, and uh, to allowing them to rule certain nations and then throwing them down. Basically, it's kind of weird within itself, but it, it seems to me they on the payroll, uh, um, you know. Uh, and God is allowing them basically to do certain things, as we see what took place with the uh, with the swine. When God kept put the, you got some movement in the back. I don't know what it is, but um, I don't know. That's the case there. But for the most part, what I want to bring out is that is, is that it's clear that God gave them to the place, you know, and, and he, he set them boundaries for them, and somebody was, you know, going against those boundaries. But uh, I don't know if you want to say something to that, brother. Yeah, I mean, God is sovereign. He determines all of that. Uh, sorry about that. I'm trying to fix this noise situation right now. But you know what? Um, I wonder, LeBron, like, what do you think right now? You know, what's Marduk? What's he up to? You know what I'm saying? What's Kimosh up to right now? What's he got? What's he got popping? Right? What's Osiris doing? Right? Probably. Well, probably what's, uh, say what? Probably in the pits. Somewhere, or, or still. Well, I'm saying if, if these, if these are real deities, and they've been given these these nations, supposedly, you know, and that's how it rolls. Well, like, what about now? Like, so if Kimosh is supposed to be a god of a certain people, then um, what's he do? Do those people still exist? Are they aware 
that this is their patron deity? You know, should there be um, like a revival to to worship him among this ethnic group? Like it's just real confusing. Or does he think they they have like different names now, or they've been judged already, or somebody does secretly worship these gods? I just, you know, it's like it's like because we're talking about back then. What like what are they out of a job? Like what do these what? gods do when the nations of which they served are no longer identifiable as those types of nations, either ethnically or with the religious boundaries? And then where does it really stop? For example, if if uh, a, a ruler makes a statue of himself, it says that the, at the playing of the music, everybody bow down at the statue. And, you know the three Hebrew boys don't do it. It was it appropriate for everybody else to have done it to bow down to that statue of a man. Or is there some kind of exception because he was a man? But, you know, you could use that same argument he used is like, well, they hadn't been given direct instruction against it, which I don't really agree with that argument. But, like, was that inappropriate for everybody else who bowed down at the playing of the music, even though Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not? I just, you know, this system got a lot of holes in it. But he thinks he's onto something because he can talk about progressive covenantalism versus dispensationalism, which are really not very major in their differences compared to the differences he has with other Hebrew Israelites. Like, a lot of other Hebrew Israelites aren't comfortable with him chucking away 17 of the 27 New Testament books. But yet he chucks away 17 of 27 books, left standing with 10, and then he still makes qualifications because he says sometimes Luke and Acts got issues. And then when he comes across something in Matthew he don't like, he says it's a textual variant. We're still waiting on that information that proves that Matthew 28 doesn't belong in the Bible. So, like, that's a big difference. But, yet yeah, he wants to talk about I'm a progressive covenantalist and you're a dispensationalist. Those are minor compared to those differences. And then here's the thing. What is his scheme? Like, I can identify I'm, I'm basically progressive covenantal in how I interpret Scripture and the covenants. You can identify your dispensational and how you interpret the covenants. What what's he identifying himself as? Nobody knows. There's no, there's no schema. It's Ron Shields' thing. So it's real idiosyncratic. It's highly nuanced, but in a in a way that um you know is not really it's not systematic like he like he thinks it is really. But I'm I'm glad that people got to hear it because uh, I'm looking at the reactions and most of the Hebrews are like the, honestly Ron they're just following light right along with him. You know they're just like. Oh, you stuck it to these guys. You did this. You did that. Well, if if that's the way they think or feel, then you know I can't say nothing. But anybody who's on the outer edge who knows what the Bible teaches and they hear this guy, no matter how bright they think he is, no matter how bad they want to champion for their movement, I really believe they'll have wisdom enough to distance themselves from this level of false teaching. Especially when you got a guy who's trying to be like a modern day Marcion in some ways, that first century, well, second century heretic probably in that area. That, that, that old school heretic who chucked away almost all the New Testament and he, and he mutilated uh, Luke and he used some other parts of this and that, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, he, he kind of created his own New Testament. Marcion, look up. He's an ancient heretic. Ron Shields is doing that. Well, I don't accept this. I accept that. I don't accept this. If you do the math, you're left with ten, ten books left out of the New Testament in Ron Shields, in the canon of Ron Shields. Right, I mean, right, right. He, he is his own authority, apparently. Right, and that's uh, and, and we definitely got the brother uh, here, uh, the brother Jordan is here. Uh, Jordan, did you want to speak on something while you're here, brother? Uh, your mic is open. 
Hey, what's up, brothers? Just want to say hi. I'm listening. Um, I don't have nothing to say right now, um, other than, of course, I don't, I don't understand why, uh, like some of the terms that he uses are. Un- to me, it just seems very unclear, um, because a lot of what's going on is, it's a lot of jumping from one thing to another, but not really standing solid. So, for example, when when posed with the question. You know, is it okay or is it okay? Like, he, I, if I remember correctly, he said that we said something he didn't say. But when you played the tape back, it, he was saying that it was appropriate. Now, as a follower of Christ, it's never appropriate to worship another god. I don't care what nation you are. And so, you know, I just, I just find it to be odd that, I guess the words you used earlier were semantics, were just playing with words and not really getting down to the brass tacks of what it is that was said. I mean, maybe we could change the word and say, you know, instead of appropriate, is it right? You know what I mean? Is it right? Is it okay? Is it good? I mean, you know, there's so many words, but the word appropriate is pretty clear to me. I don't think it's really, you know, uh, shaky in any way, but it just seems that, you know, playing with words and definitions is just, it's too many beliefs. It's too many accumulations of different philosophies where you can't really pin it down in any one section, so you can't really have a consistent conversation. Yeah, man, and um, under Ron Shield's schema, his pantheon, he gives people an excuse for something the Bible says they are without excuse for. Let me explain what I mean. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Listen to this. For the wrath of God, so God is upset at this, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So not just the things, you know, they, they can get a pass for. I think all ungodliness should certainly include child sacrifice. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So this means they know the truth and they suppress it. If you look at that Greek word, it gives you the sense of something that's trying to almost bubble up and you're trying to actively push it down, basically. Like imagine you're on top of a beach ball and it's underwater, and you keep on pressing it down. That's the sense you get with that Greek word, who by their unrighteousness. So the reason they do the suppressing is because they're unrighteous. Their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now listen to this, because this is about basic creation, meaning this is in relationship to what's called general revelation. Everybody can know this according to the scripture, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So it says you can tell uh, something about God by what he's made, creation. And watch the very next line. The end of verse 20 says this. So they are without excuse. They have no excuse yet basically brother shield says they got an excuse they weren't given these law statutes and commandments verse 21 for although they knew god look at that that means they had a knowledge of the creator they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him what do they do though everybody everybody knows they honored other false deities they gave thanks to other false deities oh thanks thank you so much Baal. thank you so much for the crops Watch this. What's that do to your thinking, though? The Bible tells us. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. 
They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Clearly, that's a condemnation of the idolatry of all peoples because he says what they did. They exchanged, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for what? Images resembling mortal men. So, for example, the Egyptians would have these, these creatures that had the body of a man and then the head of some animal. Or you guys have seen uh, where they do it the other way, and they'll have the body of a lion with the head of a man, all that type of stuff. And now this is the last thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read here, uh, verse 24. Therefore, uh, no, no, yeah, 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 okay, 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to, be the, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, if you read this, this is clearly universal condemnation. And you know what? Let me, let me show you this last thing here in verse 32. Because verse 28 says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That sounds like it's not appropriate. But look at the verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. To give approval to those who practice them. So, I mean, look, man, we, we got somebody who's, who's dealing with an entirely different set of morals and values and wants to fight for it. It's such a strange thing to be a, uh, an apologist for henotheism and an apologist for Molech. Like, Molech doesn't need an apologist. If you study what they did with Molech, he was a metal statue. And and he, they would make them of various types of metal, and what they do is they would heat up the metal and these sacrifices. And as they would heat up this metal, it would become glowing red hot to the point that it would, it would essentially boil you, burn you to death if you came in prolonged contact with it. Well, he had little arms outstretched in this metal Molech statue, and guess what they would do? Since Molech apparently demanded it, they would place a baby in the arms of Molech, the burning hot metal statue. But that's not going to be a pretty sound with the baby crying and screaming. So as part of the ritual, they would have dancing and music that would drown out the cries of the babies as the babies would be dying right in front of their party, their ritual, their sacrifice, hoopla. While that's going on, the baby's dying in the arms of metal Molech. That seems, to use an understatement, inappropriate. Hey, I got to get my kids, man. I'm going to try to call you back unless you got anything okay, else cool, real cool. quick. I actually got to – hey, can I share one more scripture I just thought of, man? And, and, uh, Go ahead, uh, bro. There's another one. I, there's one more in Isaiah, but this is a big one. And uh, there's another one I could get to later, but I, I do got to go get them in here. Isaiah 43, verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and that's Yahweh right there, all caps, L-O-R-D in most English translations. You are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen, and you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. And then what to say right after that? You guys uh, you guys probably should know, especially if you apologetic. Before me no God was formed, before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. So it's right. like, come on, man. And there's also another similar one in Isaiah 45. I mean, there's a lot in there. And, of course, Isaiah 44 mocks the whole, like, 
concept of the way they would do this idolatry. I mean, uh, let me just say that Isaiah 45 real quick, verses 5 and 6. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. So, I mean, I'm just saying, man, let's handle what the Bible says and not this other thing. No, you know what I got to do, man? I got to tell you guys why he's doing this. That's what I should do before I leave, man. Real quick, I'm sorry. Because I know why he's doing this. Here's why. He has to hold on to a hard type of henotheistic structure because what he ultimately says is, and I don't think everybody knows this, he says that's why when Israel supposedly was scattered among the West African continent area, that's why they had such a, and this is a quote, seamless integration into West African society culture. So what he's saying is because they had a similar henotistic pantheon of deities, that's why these Israelites could slide in into West Africa because they had a similar actual understanding of their religion. So he has to have this because it's essential to his RBG program, his pan-African nationalistic program to try to connect to the conscious community. That's why he's trying to do this. And I got to go, you guys. I hope you have a good rest of the show. I'm going to try to call back if I can later on. All right, cool, cool. Okay, peace and blessings, brother. All right, so. God bless, peace. Yeah. All right, peace. So, okay, so we can see that Gocap brought out some scriptures concerning other deities, all other deities are false gods. And so I, I don't really know why, me personally, I don't know why, you know, that was actually brought up last night because I don't think man Jordan really, we really, we didn't bring that up. We we basically talked about, you know, uh, him trying to say that it was appropriate. And that, that really was my argument. Now, as far as concerning the other gods, you guys know what I did when, when it concerns other deities. I think there is but one only true God. All other deities are false, basically, or, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to, um, well, when it comes to those that are with God and with his counsel, did I, you know, I, I roll with that. But when it comes to these deities that's outside of that, these deities that are images and statues and who people pray to and, you know, worship and stuff like that and fallen ones, I, I, I have to uh, definitely say that we don't worship that. You know what I'm saying? Um, we worship the true God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if there's any truth, it comes from God. If there's any good thing, it comes from God because it really lines up to his goodness. You know, um, we experience goodness and we ourselves have good in us because it's concerning God. It comes from him. So all good things come from God. And so we got to understand it. You know, um, all praises and, and honor and glory must be given unto. And so I think that it's not a, you know, we must understand that, excuse me, it was never appropriate to be doing the things that they was doing, you know, um, and that was my argument there, and that's what I was telling him now as far as uh, you and the brother vocab, I know y'all, you know, y'all argued about the God thing and different things and stuff like that. That's not my argument, you know, because uh, I, my argument is, 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 is what God's will is. 
for man, God's plan for man overall and not just Israel. I don't know if you want to add to that, Brother Jordan, but you can if you want to. Um, there's a scripture that I'm reminded of in Psalms chapter 106 um, and verse. Let me get the scripture. And it just kind of points out the uh, how the Lord viewed the idols and whoever was worshiping the gods. Uh, Psalms 106 verse 36, it says, They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people. I mean, he's point, in the scripture, he's clearly pointing out what is the wickedness that Israel was committing. It was wicked before Israel did it. You know, idolatry is wicked, period, no matter who commits it. Anything outside of what the Lord commands, anything outside of who he is, any other gods that people worship, number one, they're false gods. They're not true gods. And he even uh, goes as far as to say that they would sacrifice their sons and their daughters to the demons. What demons? You're talking about fallen angels, whether they were, whatever deception they were using. But what I'm saying, based on this scripture, we can't say that it was appropriate for the nations to sacrifice their children to demons. It, we can't, it, it, it is impossible with scripture. We can't say, okay, well, this, it was appropriate for them because the Lord didn't tell them nothing. That doesn't make any sense. Is it, is, is it okay to abuse an innocent child if a man says, well, nobody told me? I mean, we would look at that man and say, well, it, uh, who cares if nobody? You know that is wrong. Your conscience. And that's what Vocab was talking about earlier, this conscience that God gave us. We know the right and wrong. We know that there's a God. So for anybody to say that this is appropriate is going contrary to the word of God. Now, if, you know, uh, he wants to take scriptures and say, well, I don't believe in this part, this part, that's on him. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, which I know you and I both are, we don't just take pieces out of the Bible that we don't like. We don't go say, well, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this, so let me go ahead and take this out. Uh, I, I just disagree. No, it is a complete document. You have multiple books together. You can't just rip scriptures out of context. Individuals who want to sin – Individuals who want to commit, let's just say, acts of homosexuality. You have individuals that I know personally and that I've seen say on live television that, well, you know, when they read the Bible and they get to those portions of Scripture, they just rip them out of the Bible. Why? Because the only way that you're going to justify your own beliefs and philosophies and then come to the Bible and try to make that happen is you have to take the Word of God and tear it apart and rip out certain sections. You can't be consistent and say, well, I follow the Lord of the Bible, but not these parts. And, you know, when we look at um, these things, when we look at Psalms, chapter 106, again, verse 36, they served their idols, which became a snare unto them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. I mean, this is, I mean, these are demons. These men gave up the knowledge of God and said, well, I want to go worship another God. And so the Lord left them. But it does not mean that he was acceptable unto it. It doesn't mean that it was appropriate. It's just, it's just, you know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, the scriptures are clear, but, you know, 
I'm done. <laughs> right. So let's let's get off to the meat the the the, the, the meat of the, the conversation. Let's click on that. And like I said, if you want to stop me, if you hear something, uh, brother Jordan, and, and you want to stop stop me, you can definitely do so. Let's see if we can. Well, I see the thing is, I believe I have what would be a standard understand uh, definition. So maybe I would say fallen angel, evil spirit. But if you have a different um, definition, I'll let, I'll let you define it. That's fine. You can define your own terms. That's fine. Yes. Yeah. Power would be deemed evil by the children of Israel. Yes. Well, would it be objectively evil? Because uh, I'm sure you understand objective morality. Something is actually right or actually wrong. Would it be? Ob- would the the spirit be objectively evil? Um, that's difficult to tell. Um, because if we're dealing off the literature, it's written by a worldview of particular people, so they viewed it as being evil, and that's subjectively. But okay. So was it objectively evil, yes or no, to sacrifice children to Molech during the time uh, that those those ethnic groups did it? Was it objectively immoral or evil? Or if I say from an objective point, I would be neutral on that. Okay. Um, how would you interpret Galatians 4.8 that says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. You tell me how would I how would I exegete that? Our white family once again today's show's entitled "What Do You Believe?" What do you believe? And excuse that earlier little sound effect malfunction. But also don't know that was supposed to be the two minute bell. I have it automatically set up, but uh, once again, if you want to hear the sound right here, that would be that it's doing this up your time. We had a little malfunction. I don't know. Hopefully, Blocks already helps that out. But again, people, the number is 319-527-6239. And uh, once again, I see a lot of people who uh, are social media sharing this on their personal page. You know, we appreciate the family out there that's tuning in to Debate Talk Radio. Uh, once again, my special guest is Vocab Malone and Ron Devon Prospect. So let's begin the uh, next portion of well, actually the same portion of the interview process. Uh, now we're going to go to Ron Devon Prospect uh, to ask your questions. Right. right. So, so I, I just want to bring this out that any, you know, anything that you know about the Creator, you know, uh, the Father, the Word, the Spirit of God, anything that you know, you got from this Bible. And so you should know what's appropriate and what's, you know, inappropriate because the Bible tells you that. So then when we start looking at, you know, um, what's subjective and objective, you know, um, it's safe to say that I think that as we can see that vocab was asking this in light of what we know according to this Bible. So it should never have been, you know, what you feel, um, whatever type of historical, you know, information you came across this extra biblical sources you only know what's required of god as you say you being a people or you say that you israel by reading the literature that you got before your face which is the biblical text so you know you should know what's required of him and and and, and don't be afraid to say you know what you feel that your god will do to those that are uh, are not a subject unto him that are rebels and not taking it and going his way. I mean, uh, not believing on him that he says that they're going to be found. And so 
it, that was the the what Israel was supposed to do. They were supposed to tell those other nations, you know, about these uh, false deities, you know, that we see. They come against that. Uh, I don't know if you want to add to that, uh, Brother Jordan. No, I'm, I think you pretty you said it pretty clear. All right, so let's put on it and keep listening. You can ask questions, bro. Okay. Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. You there, vocab? Yes, sir. All right. So let's get started. So, vocab, do you subscribe to the information in the following books for your doctrine of progressive covenantalism? And if so, can you refer to a systematic theological course on this specific data? The book called Kingdom Through Covenant by Peter J. Gentry and Stephen J. Wellam and Progressive Covenantalism by Stephen J. Wellam and Brent E. Parker. Yes, uh, I would say that by and large, you never agree with everything any given author writes about everything. But by and large, I would say yes. What would you object to in that book? Um. So this this, uh, just give me, just thing, give me three points. Just three points. Well, there's there's one specific thing that uh, I'm not sure if how deep they go into it in the book, but I know it from other talks that they've given. It's 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 a different interpretation of aspects of the end of Romans in relationship to what it means all Israel will be saved. Within progressive covenantalism, there's some differences about what that exact uh, phrase means. There's, so there's flexibility within that interpretive schema. And I know that okay. I, I think I would have a little more leaning towards Israel than I've heard Gentry and Wellam get. Okay, second point. That, um, well, so I don't, I don't know if this is stated explicitly in the book, but uh, various times Gentry has said that he's used theonomists as false teachers. I think that's a little harsh. I don't think that uh, theonomy equals uh, false teachers. Okay, third point. Honestly, those are the two big ones uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, trying to look for my copy. Okay, cool, no book. problem. So, so have you read both books cover to cover? Progressive covenantalism? Yeah, Kingdom to Covenant, not cover to cover, no. Okay, if you want a copy of it, let me know. All right, so. No, no, um, I, got, I got a copy. I got a oh, copy. You do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No problem, I've read both of them. All right. Um, so, regarding the tripartite distinction of law, how does this fit into your progressive covenantalism paradigm? Could you explain that question? I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. Okay, so are you aware of what tripartite distinction is? Yeah, you're talking about the idea of uh, different ways to d determine what sort of is for this covenant and what's not, that type of thing. No, actually, what it does is that it categorizes the Mosaic law. Um, yeah, and not so just civil, the yeah, like law. civil, religious, let, things like that. Let, let me let me just uh, reemphasize: not just exclusively the uh, Mosaic law, but just universal law as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's three, there's three categories. Are you aware of those three categories? Yeah, moral, civil, ceremonial. Okay, excellent. All right, and um, how does that cater to your progressive covenantalism worldview. What is your take well, on that? Right. So um, it, it's not – the classic division is not identical in every way, but it doesn't mean that it's totally uh, 
useless either. So there's a lot of nuances and and sort of some of the differentiation. But I but I can say this: all of the law is is moral. But at the end of the day, there is something that's a new covenant and there's something that's an old covenant. But I mean, I could give examples. Okay, wait, wait. Law. Okay. Hold on. So you said all law is moral. Is that correct? Yeah, all law is all law is moral. Ultimately, Even the Mosaic law, that's also all moral, right? Ultimately, is moral because it's a reflection of God's character. Yes. Okay, so if you were looking at the, the the breakdown of all three, which would be the ceremonial law, the civil law, and the moral law, which one do you believe still stands, and which one do you believe has ceased? <laughs> well, uh, so the problem is in some of these, it's how do you um, categorize some of them? There's a challenge with that. But I I think one thing I like to start with the clear, and then move out to the less clear. So for example. I believe we can give examples that are clear from the New Covenant Scriptures of things in the Mosaic Law that are clearly no longer enforced for believers in this covenant time or dispensation, although I'm not a fan of that word because it's been misused. Examples would be circumcision, um, some of the food and purity regulations, uh, sacrifices, temple worship, uh, Passover. And, and this is all extent, ceremonial? Um, well, they... They, well, so here's what it works. God is the same yesterday, you know, today, all that, right? He doesn't change. He's immutable. That's that's a that's a agreed upon aspect. But the Iron Age is different than the Bronze Age, and the 20th century is different than the 21st century. And not only that, since the covenants are progressive, that's where the system gets its name from. Since the covenants are progressive, the covenants are actually new. They're not identical. Otherwise, there'd be no need to actually give another covenant. So they're all, all right. moral in a oh. certain.
And in regard to progressive covenantalism, there's a particular way in which this is discerned. I need to ascertain what your position is so I have no further questions in order to interrogate you. So knowing that, let me move on. Let me move on. So what is the, can you please define the quote-unquote law of Christ? And once you define it, is it codified in the text? And if so, what does it consist of? Well, ultimately, the law of Christ is love. I mean, that's that's sort of the ultimate biblical uh, aspect. And then you see key places in which that's sort of worked out. What does it mean to obey the law of Christ, which ultimately, again, is love? Um, I believe the New Testament gives hints all throughout it, but it doesn't um, – it doesn't spell out every single thing, and that's where the Spirit of God is, is present in those who are New Covenant believers and taking the general equity already laid therein of God's previous. And, uh, and, and just to bring out something briefly, just so you know, you know, uh, things like when you getting off into contracts and covenants and stuff like that, um, you know, a covenant, we know, you know, it means bereath in the Hebrew, and we know that it means to part pieces or, you know, um, you know, culturally, they will part pieces and walk through those pieces, and you know, and 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 there's there's two or more parties that's in this agreement, and they walk between these pieces, and 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 they ratify a covenant, or they, you know, go into a covenant uh, by way of parted pieces, and whatever party that does not honor that covenant or that contract, then that person is either ripped to pieces like those like that uh those uh pieces that was parted that they walked in between or uh the contract is actually ripped up and so are are they cut off basically and so that's what we kind of see culturally going on in Israel so with each um with each one of these contracts of these which each one of these covenants there's terms conditions and also penalties which we call you know, they were called Torah or either teachings, instructions, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, and so, you know, you have to follow the terms and the conditions of that contract. And I think that for the most part, that that's very important that people know that because when even though when you break the law down or when you break the covenant down or when you break the, the you know, break it down, it consists of, like they say, they'll say moral, ceremonial, and judgments or whatever the case may be. Are the civil laws, and what we look at is that. Excuse me, I'm sorry. All of those things are binding. Those things are in the covenant, so they fall up under the blood. And so, if you break one of those things, then you have actually broke them all. It's just like if you had a contract or a lease with your a T-Mobile phone or something like that, or just that contract. And as I stated before, that's what a, a, a covenant is. It's a compact or a league or a confederacy between two or more parties. And so let's say if that person that's on that T-Mobile contract, you know, that he signed his name on, that he went against uh, some uh, agreement on there, you know, went against those terms, you know, uh, and those conditions that was on there, then, then he's in the penalty. He's in the penalty. And so what we, what we've seen a lot of these guys do is they take the law and they break it down and they separate it and they, basically pick from what's uh, doable, you know, um, um, and what's not doable under the law of Moses. And the reason why we say the law of Moses is because Moses was the mediator of that first covenant. And so because he's the mediator, it means that he's the, the middleman between God and man. He relates the covenant to them, to those uh, Israelites. And so when we look at it, that covenant is a contract 
and it's binding. And the terms and the conditions are binding. If you do not do what's in that contract, then you're up under the penalty. You're, you're penalized. You're in penalty. You're in default. And so what we got to look at is you can't just go and just say, well, you know, this is what needs to be done and that needs to be done and pick and choose up under that first covenant when that's just not the case. That does not work because under that first covenant, it's strict. And so if if you cannot do it, certain things that the covenant is saying that you ought to do, then that should mean you should know already that that covenant has to be really done with. It has to be, you know, uh, you know, for those that are in Christ. Now, those that are, those that are outside of Christ fall up under the curse, the curse of that, because they can't do what all needs to be done. For instance, we know that the blood was sprinkled on the book, the people, and also it was sprinkled on the vessels and the tabernacle. Well, you don't have the tabernacle. You know, the tabernacle was, was destroyed in 70 AD. You don't have the, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, you, you're not doing the things that was in the book because that's why you were scattered. People, we see that they were scattered for not doing the things in the book. So, you know, and then also um, the vessels. You don't have the vessels to the tabernacle. So these are the things. These are the things that fell up under the covenant or the contract. And so when you broke those things, you know, you um, you came into the, uh, to penal. You was penalized. And so what Christ did was, you know, he he made it clear. He says you're not going to worship in this temple, nor in this, uh, nor in this, um, he said, you're not going to worship in this temple, nor in this mountain, because it was basically, it was, it was prophetic. He's showing them that they that worship God, worship God in spirit and truth. And the time, the hour is and now that they that worship God, worship God in spirit and truth. And so that's very important because now he's showing you a way to reach God, whereas through way of the temple, you didn't have that privilege on how to reach God. Because there was these veils that was put up, and uh, and and so up under the first testament, up under the law of Moses, you had veils that was put up, and so this is a a physical, you know, outward appearance showing you that there is a blockage between you and God, you know, and 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 also, you know, that blockage deals with physicality and also a spiritual thing that deals with the spiritual mindset, and so one of the things that Christ come and do, He comes and. And uh and and regenerates or he uh uh makes you a born again uh spirit. It says, and ye have he quickened who were dead in sins and trespass. That means you was a dead man walking. The the walking dead is really a, a serious out here. It's it's not just uh uh when we see uh Rick and you know all of these his Michonne and all of them. It's it's real people out here just 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 walking and just dead. You know what I'm saying? They need to be alive. By uh, and quickened by the very spirit of God and the word of God, which is the son, Jesus Christ. And so and so what we must understand is this is is, is that it's Christ, the seed that shall come, that basically gives you the spirit. Right. And the spirit quickens you and makes you alive. Now, why is it important to be quickened and why is it important to be spiritual, uh, 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 to be reborn again? It's important because. um you know, he. If you're not spiritual, if you're not uh, born again, then you're spiritually discerned. So when you're born again, God is able to, or you're able to communicate with God and understand God because it says He that is spiritual, you know, uh, judge of all things or understand of things, and but the natural man understand of not the things of God. They don't understand the things of God. Neither can he understand those things because he's spiritually discerned. So. God wants you to be 
born again, you know, by the word and by the spirit, and that gets you access to the Father, whereas you couldn't get that access by way of the law of Moses, uh, but only through the way of uh, of the high priest and once a year and, and different times, uh, you know, when God spoken to them, besides when God has some revelation with other people. Now we have access um, because Christ has paved the way, renting the very veil and giving us access to speak unto God and not have uh, uh, veils put all up and curtains put up to where, you know, we can't enter in a new way according to Hebrews. And, and I'm pretty sure that Divine Rock Prospect probably did with the book of Hebrews because, you know, even though they say that some people, you know, um, say it was written by Paul, but, you know, that's not really solid or, or you know, and, and unless he can really prove that, then he would still have to conform to that book of Hebrew, Hebrews. You know, but uh, I don't know if you want to speak on that too, Brother Jordan. Yeah, uh, one yeah, of the uh, I know one, one of the, the most one difficult, of the things, difficult for me, things for me. I'm hearing an echo. Is that me? Yeah, I'm gonna mute my mic right now. Hold on, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, one one of the most difficult things for me when I was a Hebrew Israelite was that whole conformity to keeping the law. Now, what's difficult when I look back at it, what I found was that as a Hebrew Israelite, I was even I was being even more hypocritical because I was saying that I was keeping the law when I really wasn't keeping the law. And I didn't discover that until I actually left that, uh, that belief system. And I saw, looking back, I'm like, hold on a second. The, law, the Lord gave the law as a complete unit. Now, we teach it as civil, moral, and, and um, ceremonial. And it makes it easy to teach that way. But we can't say, well, I keep all these except the ceremonial. Or I keep everything except the moral. You can't take pieces and, and nitpick or copy and paste what you think is right. The whole law is an entire unit. James says that if you offend in one point, you are guilty of it all, which James himself is making the law an entire unit, which is why we can't be hypocrites and say, well, you have to keep Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 7 and not eat pork, but then forget Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 35 where nothing can come into contact with all of the unclean animals, which means, it's like I, like I uh, said before to someone, if you eat at a diner, you're breaking, the, you're breaking the dietary law. If you eat at a supermarket, you're breaking the dietary law. So, you know, we have to be consistent. If you're going to say you're keeping the law, keep the whole law. Don't say, well, you know, we only keep these parts or because we're in um, captivity or, you know, we can't. No, there's no excuse. Keep the law. But the thing is, they can't. And they have that, that, that almost that cognitive dissonance in their own mind of, okay, I'm trying to keep the law, but I can't keep the law. And I go back and forth, and I'm telling other Christians to keep the law. And I know it comes for some people who are in that religion. It comes from a place of, of goodness where they want to do what's right. But they've been deceived into thinking that they have to put some work into their own salvation. And when you read Ephesians 2, 2 8, 9, what's happening is the Hebrew Israelites are actually boasting in their work about salvation when it says that salvation was given to us apart from works so that no one can boast. But no, oh, we keep the laws. You're boasting. All you're doing is laying up laws that you say you keep as filthy rags and saying, hey, Lord, this is what I want to give you for my, for my, it's filthy. You're offering the Lord filthy rags and saying that you're doing better than your brother or sister or anybody else around you. We cannot say we keep a portion of the law and say that we keep the laws. It is hypocritical, and that is what the Pharisees were guilty of. They, they kept, yes, they kept their own traditions as well, 
and they tried to say, oh, well, we keep the laws, but they, they were neglecting the bigger things, or they strain at a gnat and they swallow a camel. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, well, we keep these little things, but then you forget the bigger things, showing again that the, that the law is a complete unison. You can't break it up. And, you know, that was one of the hardest things for me to, like, overcome was because I was really trying to do and please the Lord. But I found myself saying, man, no matter what I do, I always make a mistake somewhere, somehow, no matter how hard I try. And if death is – if death comes by breaking the law, then I'm never going to make it into heaven, which is what the, what the law is supposed to do. The law is supposed to show you just how wicked you are. It was supposed to show Israel how wicked they are so that when Christ came on the scene, they, had, they, they, they would run to Christ. But instead, they stopped up their ears like you see the Hebrew Israelites do now and say, no, we've got to keep the laws. We've got to keep the laws. And they ended up stoning Stephen. I mean, what, what do you, I mean, it's basically the same thing now. No, they're not stoning us uh, physically, but believe you me, if it was possible, they would. This has to be understood from Scripture. The reason why Jesus Christ came was to fulfill the law, which means to complete the part of the contract that you and I couldn't do. That was his purpose. Now, how much sense would it make that after he, go, he goes ahead and he fulfills the contract, then we say, okay, well, let us add some more payment to it? It doesn't make any sense. That's like I have a brother or a sister come and pay off my mortgage, and then I go and I pay the lender some more. You know, I just want to make sure it's paid off. It, it doesn't make any sense. If Jesus Christ comes and he fulfills the law, he didn't do away with it. He fulfilled the contract that you and I could not do. And this is why it's highly important not to be deceived by these vain philosophies of men when they reach out and they rip scriptures out of context and say, well, we don't believe those portions. We don't believe those portions. It, we can't do that. We can't abuse the word of God and then say we do what the word of the Lord says. We have to follow Christ. He is the only way we're saved. And no Christian, I believe, on this platform or any other platform who is a, a genuine follower of Christ is going to go and tell you to live wickedly. It's because of Christ's righteousness, because of his goodness, that his spirit enters in you, and he fulfills good works through you. He lives through you. I mean, that's all I had to say. Right, and so we got a brother, uh, his name is Little Stewart. It's kind of weird, you know, he calls himself Little Stewart. A lot of these guys are really weirdos, man, because if you look at it right, they uh, they be on these internets, man, some of them fake profiles and all types of silly stuff. And, um, you know, different pages and stuff. And really, these are grown men that got kids and stuff like that. And uh, you would think that they would act a little bit more better, you know, um, it's weird they got all these different pages to be stalking and, you know, doing sneaky stuff and making fake uh, pages and uh, playing like they women. And, you know, I've seen the worst, man, about these guys, man, uh, these Hebrews like cows, man. But what I wanted to talk about is, is the brother, he says, uh, little studio, he says, don't blame your shortcomings on not keeping the law. And I, 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 what, what would you say to somebody just saying, don't blame your shortcomings on not keeping the law, Jordan? My short. We say it again. He says, "Don't blame your shortcomings on not keeping the law." My shortcomings. Every single human being on the planet Earth has a shortcoming, which is why we need Christ. I mean, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear when you look at Scripture. We are unable to do 
what the Lord commands as perfection is to keep the law perfectly. I mean, what do you say to the scriptures when when you read in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six, where it says the strength of sin is the law? What do you say to something like that? The strength of sin is the law. That's where sin gets its strength from. That's what Paul said. Now, of course, if you want to reject Paul, then it doesn't mean anything to you. But I don't reject Paul. I, I, I uh, believe in all of Scripture. So my shortcomings are um, an, an obvious sign that I am incapable of perfection and righteousness, which is why I need Christ. And, and the person who says that is the same thing. He has a shortcoming as well. He is unable to fulfill the law of Christ. And I pray that, you, you know, you come to an understanding of that so that you can be free in Christ. Right, right. And, and it's funny you said that because, you know, I, I, I do hope he does realize that he has shortcomings too because the scripture says in uh, Romans 3 and 23, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so for those that even deal with the Torah, if you say you just deal with the Torah, you just deal with, you know, uh, that only, if you want to say the first five books are just the contract in general. Um, after you, you you have done, you know, you have done the law, so to speak, and you say you've done the law, one of the things that we see is what we call the offerings, whether it's the birth offerings, the sacrifices, or guilt trespass offerings. And so when you will fall short, this is something that you will have to, you know, you will have to offer when you fall short. And that's what it was for, actually, to appease or to cover you, so to speak, even though it didn't take away sin. But, you know, it didn't give you the power, you know, it, it didn't give you the power, uh, you know, as, as we have the, now the spirit. You know, the spirit has been given to instruct us and, and, and circumcise the heart. And so we see that clearly that, you know, it's, it's, it's God living in us, you know, and working through us you know, uh, in the unity of our spirit with his spirit, you know, because the Bible says he that believeth, you know, shall uh, have eternal life, and he that believe not shall be damned. So, you know, God will make you a believer by, you know, you know, um, you, you know, you trusting in, in him, because that's, that's something that we, we see that did happens. But for the most part, I want to say this is that you can't, say that 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 you know we're we're basically saying that our shortcomings which we know we're we're saying that we have that and that is the reason why you know um we need Christ that's the reason why we need the blood because to be honest just because when we come up short we should actually be, we should be put to death according to the law we should be put to death but when you got Christ is standing there and 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 he's given himself for us and 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 he's the way to access the father and he's the image of the very word of the father and 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 so we're able to have that that passage right to the father it says that his body is the veil his flesh is the veil it says in the corinthians so it says that we're able to enter through him or by him to the father so we can find that in the very Torah because what does the Torah say? When we look in the Torah, it says that it is the the blood, you know, that we see that hits the mercy seat. The the priest himself that goes in once a year in the day in Yom Kippur, he goes in and he goes to the most holiest place, whereas the other people congregation is cut off by the law of Moses. But up under the New Testament, there is 
uh, better promises. There is a better way on how we can approach God by way of Christ or being in Christ. And so after Christ says, he, did, he said, good master, what must I do to gain eternal life? And, and he gave him a list of things. And, and he says, but if thou will be perfect, follow me. Why would he say that? Because the law made nothing perfect, but we see that Christ are bringing in a better hope. That was the perfection of the law. That was, when, when, when we look at it, it was him that was going to be the forerunner or the one who would go into the holiest place and give you access unto God. It was him. And so when we look at it, he was the one who was going to give you the ability to have the spirit of God because the spirit was given unto us after Christ went into the Father. And so we see that God, the Father sent the spirit and the Son sent the spirit. And we see that now, by the way of that, that, that spirit, we have access unto the Father. We have access unto him. And so we ought to understand, man, that it's clear that it is the word of God that goes in, that's sent out, and goes before the Father. No man has ascended up to heaven to bring down what Christ has brought down and unto us being the bread of heaven. And that's what he was telling him, telling Nicodemus. You know, uh, uh, who, who went up to heaven and said they're going to come down and come back with some laws? Nobody did that. But Christ came down from heaven, gave us the word of God being the word of God made flesh, or God in the flesh, right? Came down. Gave us the very word of the words of life. It says the interests of his words give of life. He gave us the very words and the passage. So now when you're in Kemet, you need no enchantment, right, to get you to the underworld or get you through the underworld. The real words of God and the spirit of God that is given lead you unto the Father. All you got to do is just believe on him. The word of God, he said, the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So it's the word of God that works through you. It works through you. And it also helps us to mortify the deeds of our body. I mean, the, the, the mortify the, 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 you know, certain things that we're doing concerning in our body, which is a, a, a lot of wicked things. But when you get the spirit and when you believe on God and believe on the word, he gives you the power, the power that comes with that to help you to fulfill his instructions. And so I think that for the most part, it's, I mean, it's, 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 I don't think that this little steward, you, you know, it's, it, you, you know what you're talking about, man. Like, you really need to understand that all have fallen short, you know, and, and, and by the, it's the blood that touches the mercy seat that God looks at that cause him to be appeased or covers us. And not only that, God has caused that very atonement to do a work within our heart. And as we look towards the redemptive work, as Christ says, when he held up, he said Moses held up the bronze serpent and, mm -hmm. and, and he should be lifted up just likewise like that. When we look to the very sin that Israel did, right, that very sin that took place and what they did, it caused the fiery serpent of judgment to come on them. 
So Moses took a bronze serpent and put it on a stick and raised it up. And Christ referred uh, referred back to that scripture as a figurative of, of, of being him. Why is that? Because the very judgments that was due unto Israel, right, because of their sin, God will take those things and put those things to on, on the cross uh, uh, by the way of his word, or by way of the Son of God. And whoever looked to that redemptive work shall be delivered. So, I mean, I don't understand why this brother Little Stewart can't understand what's really going on. You know, we, we, we're not around in, uh, 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 in, in, a, in, a, in a castle and, you know, uh, waiting for mouse traps and, and, and running through mouse traps, Little Stewart. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we moving in. And, and, and if our gospel we hear, it's, it's, it's to those that is lost who the devil of this world has blinded them or the God of this world has blinded them. So I don't know why it's just saying, just saying if it's hit to you, it's because you're blinded, bro. I don't know if you want to add to that, but Brother Jordan, you definitely could do so. Yeah, I, I got uh, two scriptures I want to I want to pull up. I think this is important, and I'm I'm praying to God that many of the Hebrew Israelites are listening, um, because when I read this scripture after being part of that group, I totally I repented completely. Um, here's why: there there's two scriptures. The first one. Just to point to the fact, because what ends up happening is that many people say, oh, well, you Christians just say, oh, you can sin and just keep going and just ask for forgiveness and keep on going. That's not what we're saying. Um, in First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he's telling them, don't sin. But if they do sin, which means obviously they're going to because he would not have put that there if they were not going to sin. He's telling them not to commit acts that are offensive to the Heavenly Father. It will be, it will be ridiculous for us to say, oh, well, we're forgiven, so go ahead and do whatever you want to do. That's contrary to Scripture. Just do not sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. Now, I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 16 through 26. Um, and the reason why I want to read this in complete context is because the Hebrew Israelites will read uh, verses 16 and 17 and just stop and then run to another scripture in order to try to prove that we have to keep the law because Jesus Christ said keep the law. And what's problem is I say context is a heresy killer. It's Every time you read in context, it destroys a false teaching. Um, so I'm going to read it real quick, and then I'll explain it. And it says, and, and this is Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And that's where the Hebrew Israelites stop. But pay attention. He said to him, Which ones? So he wanted specifics. And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that every single one of the commands that Jesus Christ told him were relational to other people. It was relational to the mother and father, not to bear false witness against your neighbor. These were uh, relationships between men. And the young man said to him, I have, all these have I kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, 
if you would be perfect, just like you stated earlier, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. What happened? The Lord flipped the script and said, okay, you love your neighbor as yourself, but now do you love me enough to give up everything that you have? Do you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Like it says in Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, what was the point of the interaction between Jesus Christ and the rich young ruler? And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Why were they greatly astonished? We have a rich young ruler, and he's blessed by God, and he says he keeps all the commandments. And they're like, okay, if this rich young ruler, which is in that mindset in that time is viewed as, oh, that man is blessed by God, who could be saved? And this is the point of the whole interaction with him. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So it is impossible for a man to be saved apart from God's doing, doing the work. He says, but with God, all things are possible. So salvation is possible with God, not by any man's works or deeds, because no matter how much you flex, how much you do, how much you say you keep the law, there is going to be one point in where you offend God, and you are going to prove to yourself, and you're going, and you're going to prove to God that you are incapable, which is why he says it is impossible with man, but with, God's, it, but with God, all things are possible, and this is speaking of salvation. That was the point of the interaction with the rich young ruler, not to tell him to keep the law. That's all I had. Exactly, exactly. So what's crazy is, is that the very people that tell you about the law of Moses, right, is the very people that's not even keeping the law. So it's kind of weird, and I think that that's what Paul was really talking about is the very people that's telling you you should keep the law. They don't even understand the law. They don't even understand the details, the you know, down to the jot and the tittle of the law, and they're telling you to keep something that they, them themselves are not even they're part of the penalties of it because the whole uh, uh, terms and conditions of it and what came up under the law is not even there anymore. Like you got 75% of, of the sacrifices. It was it was uh, deal with you know with with different animals and different things that was up under the the very law, and so now you don't even have the tabernacle which came up under the blood, that and the vessels, those things were were, were up under the uh, the law just as well the law of Moses, and so now we have what we call a New Testament, and so by way of the Spirit of God we follow the instructions of the New Testament by way of the Spirit of God because if you notice the Scripture is clear it says and when He has come. It says, which is the spirit of God, he shall teach you all things. You know, that word there can be used as Torah because it is instructions and teachings. And so when you look at it, it's not the instructions that we see that's of Moses, you know, because we know already we can't do half of those things that's of Moses because that covenant consisted of the tabernacle, the vessels, also the book and the people. And now this very covenant, it comes upon all men to believe. You know, as Christ says. And so when we look at it, the terms and conditions of the New Testament are, are, are is not written with ink, but is written, you know, uh, by the spirit of God. 
on the hearts of man. This circumcises the heart. So when we look at it, the very instructions that that that, that was given that we was given unto us by Christ, and also through brothers that had the spirit by way of writing through the epistles and and also certain things that they wrote through the gospels, we can see that those very things were the things that that, that the spirit of God would bear witness to. Because it was the word of God. So we got to understand that there are instructions of the New Testament. So we're with, we're, we are with not, we're, we're not without instructions. It's just that the instructions that we have and the teachings that we have come from the spirit, right? And these words are our, our spirit. These are kingdom of, of, of heaven principles, basically. Because if you look at it, Christ said the law and the prophets uh, were, were, were um, uh, well, since uh, since John, he says, since then, he said, the kingdom of God has been preached. And he says that the 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 violent pressive into it. In other words, we see that the harlots, we see that the the, the if you want to say drug dealers or uh, uh, wine bibbers or whatever, these people are the ones pressing into it. The violent people are hearing the gospel and being saved by the gospel. So. I mean, that's that's what was preached unto Abraham. He says, and through thy seed, which is Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why is that? Because he is the one who circumcised the heart by way of the spirit. And so once he calls you to be connected unto God, then here comes the spirit flow. Because he's given you the spirit. He's given you the access unto God. He's given you the access unto the Father. And so you can't say that, oh, oh, when we when we look at, and then here's another thing, because I find it odd, they always talk about Paul, but if you notice something, what they never tell you is this is, is that Paul was in Christ, and it says that Paul was doing things, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if, what scripture that is, Brother George, but if you can, if you can, uh, if you know what it is, it's a, the scripture says he became all things to all men, and, and, and you know what scripture that is? Let me see if I could bring out that scripture real quick. I'm sorry. I have myself on mute. I said, you can go ahead. I'm going to find it. All right. Cool. Cool. I appreciate it. So, so we, we can see why Paul did what he did. And then also we can kind of also see that the temple was still standing. That was also a part that was still of the law. So a lot of the Jews, they really didn't understand or didn't believe the work of Christ and, did, and did, a lot of them was cut off, and so a lot of them was carrying on in the law, as well as even some of the uh, the uh, apostles. It was carrying on in the law because the temple, because they knew that the very heaven and earth that would pass would be that temple. Because the they the Jews looked at their heaven and earth as the temple because it was patterned after the, after the things that was of heaven. And so when you look at Josephus and you read what Josephus is talking about, then you kind of see that he's telling you. How they viewed the temple, what they viewed as the outer court, as the earth, what they viewed as the inner courts, certain things of the of the, of the Babylonian curtains that was as the uh, with stars on it, as the the heavens or the universe and the uh, the um, the different things that we see that that was in the in the uh, the the second holy place, and then we get to the with well, the first holy place, and then we get to the second holy place, the holiest of holies, to where we see that that was considered the, the, the universe or the highest of the universe. And so when he says heaven and earth should pass, that he's telling them, they would have understood that type of talk because he's telling them about the, 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 the system that is in place, which was uh, the temple work and all those things 
that was dedicated by blood that was up under the covenant, that place of worship will no longer be until a certain uh, until we see that the uh, uh, the fourth uh, temple or the millennium temple is built. You know, and so the, but that place of worship is, is there's a problem with that place of worship. There's a problem with the with the the, the second place of worship. A problem with the first uh, place of worship, and then also. Uh, the third place of worship that we see in Revelation chapter uh, 11, which mentions the, uh, 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 the, the temple that we will be built unto God, that, that says measure those that worship there in the altar and also the, uh, the, uh, the temple. And so then we look at 2 Thessalonians when it talks about, uh, talks about um, I believe it's uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2 and, and 4 when it talks about um, the uh, Antichrist to enter into that place of Satan, he is God. And so I don't know if you got that scripture, uh, brother, uh, brother Jordan. Yeah, I got, uh, what, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Uh, for though I am free from all men, that scripture from 19 to 23, that's the one you wanted me to read earlier? Yeah, I think that's it, yeah. It says he became... Yeah, I'll read it for you. All right, brother, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Right. And so when we look at it, we can kind of see that why Paul and, and, and then was doing certain things to further the gospel. This is why when you seen that they had the council, when they said that Paul was going to be bound, the prophet had already said, Paul, you're going to be bound, fam. You, you, you're going to get bound. Bottom line is you knew about it already. Paul was ready to go. But then he gets among the apostles, the other apostles, and they tell him to do this thing so that the Jews can see, you know, that, that he keep this or he keep that, which none of those things really meant nothing to him. But why was he doing it? To father the gospel. So they was doing things to father the gospel. And so when we look at it, you know, uh, he gives you the explanation on why he was doing those things. And so when he's saying that, that the law is what made a separation between the Jew and the Gentile. And he's seen that Peter was being carried away in the book of, in the book of uh, Galatians when he talked about Peter being carried away, you know, uh, uh, when, he, when the Gentiles uh, was there, and when, when the Gentiles was among him and nobody else was there, this boy Peter wouldn't even eat with the Gentiles. Because why? Because we see the certain things in the law uh, told you you couldn't eat with the Gentiles like that. So, you know, Peter was was carrying that on. He was doing certain of those things, and so then when you look at Paul, when you look at Paul, Paul had to correct him. He corrected. He said, "Bro, you was living as a Gentile. You living as a Gentile, but they're gonna tell these guys you need to live. Uh, 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 um, uh, they need to keep the law, or you trying to duty duty dodge them, or, or something like that, whatever the case may be." So he corrected him, and so this is the reason why uh, Divine Ron Prospect won't take uh he, he does not listen to what paul is saying because he said he was one that was born in due time when there are plenty of scriptures to where there was one that was born in due time that didn't give account account to the first books that was there but they was born in due time and, and many of prophets was born in due time 
You know, so with that argument, that's kind of foolish. You know, you can't say, well, he wasn't there with Jesus. Well, hold on. What about the apostles? Would you look at the Torah? They wasn't there with Jesus. They was looking forward to Jesus. So what type of argument is that? So the logic is just, or the reasoning is just foolish. So you have more textual criticism coming forward when you when you start dealing with, when you start dealing with the Old Testament than the New Testament. So it's just kind of weird. So you know we're coming to about fifteen minutes down to, to down to the you know root of tutti. But uh, I will say this, uh, brother uh, Jordan. I don't know if you want to say the last things, man, but that we definitely gonna have to go over some more of this stuff and possibly within the next weeks or so. And see how the other brothers and sisters feel about it and shield squad. So I don't know if you want to say the last thing, brother, but uh you can go ahead and we'll just close it on out. Okay. Um, well, first and foremost, I want to thank the Lord for his grace and mercy that he has given us. Um, I do not hold myself above anyone. And I'm glad that um uh the the comment that was left on the page uh saying that, you know, my don't blame my shortcomings or use my shortcomings. I'm you know I, I take I take pleasure in the fact that you know my weaknesses are the, the thing that is magnified because I am nothing I am nothing and you shouldn't be looking at me and saying oh wow you know this brother is something great I am nothing this is why I need Christ this is why we all need Christ and this is why it is highly important that all the Hebrew Israelites who are within the sound of my voice I love you that's why I want you to not be deceived anymore. I don't preach this gospel. I don't preach the word of God in order to defeat you in an argument or to defeat you in some kind of apologetic. The point of my voice, the point of my soul, and the reason why I'm alive and, and G-Con and everyone else in the SHIELD squad is that we're trying to save your lives. And we pray that the Lord works through us in order to save you. Now, you may say, oh, well, he's soft. That's fine. I don't care. I want you to be saved. I care about you. So my prayer is that all of you are saved and, and that you come to a knowledge of who Christ really is so you can truly enjoy freedom and that you may not be bound by the law and you may not be judged by it. Because I want to give you one stern warning. If you want to hold on to the law, that means God is going to judge you by the law. So when he comes back, you have to give an account and show him how perfect you kept the law. If you did not keep the law perfectly, that means you are saying that you want to take the punishment for your own sins, and you want to place it upon your own head and handle it yourself. Do not be foolish and play with the word of God and play with Christ like that. Take the mercy, take the hand that's reaching out to you, and take a hold of Christ and be saved. God bless you guys.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.